Well, good day to each of you. It's good to be together today. Hope you have weathered the storm uh, in good shape. Uh, the winds came blowing through, and certainly the rains are pretty driving. Uh, it is uh, good that we're all here together uh, here this morning to hear the words of Jesus. Uh, we continue our uh, sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Hopefully, as we make our way through, we find ourselves uh, being built up, certainly challenged, and above all things, drawing closer to God through, through Jesus Christ. In his Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus' interest all along is in helping us know what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom, what it means to be a part of uh, God's kingdom. Jesus wants us to be rightly related to God in, in all things. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus moves uh, from a, a challenging discussion about fulfilling the law to an even more challenging discussion about the life of piety. We heard about that last week. It's interesting that at the uh, conclusion of that discussion on piety, Jesus launches into a discussion about money. Jesus was not at all shy about talking about such things. In fact, nearly 15% of what Jesus talks about in the Gospels has to do with either money or possessions. Jesus knew that how we view money and possessions is very much an indication of where our heart is. So let's hear then what Jesus has to say from the Mount regarding money and possessions. From Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, we read, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is God's word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word. As we said earlier, Jesus is not at all shy about talking about money and possessions. In another place in the Gospels, Luke 12, verses 16 through 21, Jesus tells the story of a man who was exceedingly well off. He had an abundant crop and didn't have enough room to store all that he had harvested. He then did what most people would do. He tore down the barns that he had and he built bigger ones. He figured that he had it made and that he could take it easy. That is, until he found out that his life was required of him that night. This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. 
Things always look different when it comes to, to money and possessions when viewed from the light of eternity. I like the story told of the man who, while walking on a beach, found a magic lamp. He rubbed the lamp and a genie appeared, inviting him to make one wish. The man thought for a moment, and all of us would do the same thing. We would think long and hard for what that one wish would be. That man came up with a bright idea that he would ask for the, the stock page from the local newspaper one year into the future. Well, the genie obliged, and the man stood down to, to look at his, his spoils. He looked at that stock page, and then it happened. He, he turned the page over, and he found the obituaries. And of all things, he found that his name was listed at the very top of the, of the page. Suddenly, the stock market didn't seem all that important. He now had to look at things from an eternal perspective. When it comes to things, enough is never enough. We feel that. You know, that, that, that sort of draw is very much a part of who we are. Enough is never enough. We seem to always want more. So how about this question? Who's happier, the man with six children or the man with six million dollars. Why it's the man with the six children? Because the man with six million dollars wants more. Think about that one. <laughs> that seventh child always puts you on edge. I will never forget being a part of a men's small group uh, some years ago when um, one of the fellows around the table shared about his next business adventure. This fellow had already made a fortune. And as we listened, we all kind of just shook our heads. In fact, one of the fellows in the group even was so bold, asked point blank, how much is enough? And my buddy didn't respond. And the fellow asked again, okay, how much is enough? When it comes to things, enough is never enough. We always seem to want more. Jesus cautions us about storing up treasures here on earth at the expense of storing up treasures in heaven. Jesus even goes so far as to say that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's face it, our stuff has a way of blinding us to the blessings of God. Sometimes we see God's blessings in those things, but for the most part, we, uh, we do find that, that things have a way of blinding us to the sort of relationship that we really do need to have with, with our Lord. Our stuff can blind us to what is indeed our first responsibility, that of promoting God's kingdom. And again, we, we said that Jesus' interest in the whole of the Sermon on the Mount is to, to draw us to the place that we begin to understand what it means to be a citizen of that kingdom. When money is involved, it is all too easy to lose focus, even when it comes to us considering what it, what it means to be a part of his kingdom. Author John Paul Kahn writes about noticing the name of uh, Church of God Grill while combing through the the yellow pages for a restaurant. The, the name of the restaurant really did pique his interest. So he, uh, 
He, he called to ask about that unusual name. The man who answered the phone was very, very kind, and he began to, to share the story of, of the name. They, they, at one point in time, had a, had a mission there. And every Sunday after worship, they would sell chicken dinners. The dinners became so popular that they began to cut back on the services, but kept serving the chicken. After a while, they closed the mission altogether. As Khan puts it, you can put your treasure in God, or you can put your treasure in chicken. Once the chicken is eaten, the treasure is gone. What you invest in God lasts forever. Jesus is of the mind that it is much more important, in fact, ultimately important, that we become rich toward God, even at the expense of becoming rich as the world defines it. That's simply the nature of God's economy, of storing up treasures in heaven. The old adage is true, you can't take it with you. I had a good friend who was uh, really quite well off and ran in some pretty high circles. He once uh, confided in me saying that I have a lot of friends that are well convinced that there will be a Brinks truck in their funeral procession and they're going to be really surprised. Some are all about storing up treasure here on earth. Christ calls on us to be much more concerned with treasure of a different sort. In God's economy, real treasure isn't measured by how much we have, but what we have done with what God has given us, particularly in support of his kingdom. In God's economy, it's all about investing rightly. Treasure comes not by a preoccupation with things, but by a preoccupation with God and the interest of his kingdom. That's why Jesus cautions us about storing up treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. So let's face it. Let's be honest with ourselves. There's a, a, a transient uh, nature to, to stuff. Nothing on this earth lasts forever. Eventually, even the strongest steel rust, grain, if it is not eaten, eventually spoils, or as the Scripture shares, is devoured, devoured by vermin. And if those things aren't bad enough, thieves can take what you have in almost the blink of an eye. I had a lady who was a member of uh, my church in Owensboro who had every bit of her jewelry taken from her house while she was out back working in the yard. The next day, the, the, the paper described her as elderly. Elderly woman uh, has jewelry stolen. And let me tell you, she was a lot more disturbed by the fact that the uh, paper had, had classified her as elderly uh, than she was about the loss of her jewelry. In this age of technology, we know all too well that our identities can, can be stolen in the blink of an eye. If there's anything we've learned uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic, nothing is a sure thing. Jobs can be lost in an instant. The stock market can gyrate wildly. And things don't, have to, don't, and things don't nearly have the same meaning when faced with a with a very serious illness. These are all things that, that we faced. And we know that 
transient nature of this life. So it comes to us to decide how we will approach such things, how we will approach things. Jesus knew that possessions have a way of possessing us. And because of that, we will be far less likely to give our lives to God. Dave Ramsey of Total Money Makeover fame talks a lot about financial freedom. If you've listened to his radio program at all, you know that uh, he really comes at it hard when, when, it, when it comes to, to getting rid of debt. He, he will even have people come on his radio program to yell, we're debt free. You've heard that over and over and over again. Dave's premise is this. It comes from uh, Proverbs 22.7, where it says the borrow, borrower is slave to the lender. When our focus is on God, we are freed from the hold money has on our lives. We are freed not only to love him, but to love other people, and not so much the things that we have. In God we trust becomes a way of life and not just something that is printed on our money. Jesus knew that there was not a whole lot of gray area when it comes to such things. Let's hear it one more time. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let's look at how serious Jesus was about such things. Consider his encounter with the rich young ruler. Jesus was very much aware of the very thing that was keeping the rich young ruler from signing on. And, and Jesus called him out on it. He knew that this, this young man would not be really uh, signed on to the kingdom of, of God unless he, he dealt uh, with, the, uh, with, his, with the stuff that he had, unless he, he took a different approach when it came to money and possessions. Jesus knew that the young man's possessions were the very thing that were keeping him from giving his life to God fully. He'd given his life, at least to some degree, but, but Jesus was after this young man giving his life fully to God. And because of that, the young man turned his back on Christ. He simply couldn't quite bring himself to the place of abandoning the things of the world for the things of God. Let's hear Jesus at another point. He tells that great parable, uh, the parable of the precious pearl. The, the man that, was, uh, that, that sold everything for the possession of that pearl was willing to sell just everything that he had for the surpassing worth of possessing what he understood to be of, of great importance, of ultimate importance, that in his estimation was of far greater value than everything that he had accumulated. This, says Jesus, is what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God. It also comes to us to decide, where's your heart when it comes to dealing with money? What are you really focusing on? Really focusing on? 
I'll have to admit that my attention is all too often drawn away from where it needs to be. Instead of being stayed upon God, the things of the world do have their draw. They do uh, command way too much of my attention. Jesus states in Matthew 26, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, 26, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Hear that again. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Interestingly, sandwiched here in this, this passage about money and possessions, Jesus has sandwiched in the midst of that, that discussion about storing up treasure in heaven and asserting that no one can have two masters. He, he launches into a discussion about the eye and how it is the lamp of the body. And it almost seems as though this, this in-between is, is very much out of place. If your eye is healthy, he says, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will, will fall or be full of darkness. I'm in the mind that Jesus is talking with us here about how to rightly see our money and possessions. You know, at first glance, it does seem that, that this, this discussion about the eye being the, the lamp of the body being so much out of place. But if you really dig in, if you really, uh, really see and, and try to discern what Jesus is saying, he, he's really trying to, to challenge us to consider ways that we might view money and possessions in a, in a different way. He wants us to view things with a spiritual eye. The Greek word that is used here for, uh, for healthy has its root in the word, interestingly enough, generosity. Healthy, generous. Conversely, the Greek word translated unhealthy has its root in the, the word stingy. When we see things with a healthy eye, a healthy spiritual eye, we are simply more generous. Conversely, when we see things with an unhealthy eye, we just come at things from a different perspective. We, we hold on more tightly. Greed has a way of, of slipping in to, to who we are and what, what we do, and eventually we lose sight of God. So Christ is, yet again, really challenging us to see things with a healthy spiritual eye to where we, we find ourselves right, rightly related, not only to God, but, but rightly related to those things that he blesses us with. We do well, you and me, to take care of uh, where our <clears throat> wealth is stored. You know, everybody is all about that these days, you know, how to, how to invest rightly. You know, you hear one commercial after another on the, on the radio that maybe this is the time that you really need to consider doing things differently. We, we, we do well to take care of where our wealth is stored, but in a much more uh, deep way, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a much more spiritual way. We do well to see things Christ's way, to the end, that generosity trumps greed, that eternity trumps the temporal, 
in that allegiance to Almighty God trumps the Almighty Dollar. And in that, we will find ourselves much more free. We'll find ourselves so much more deeply related to God. And we'll find ourselves at the very place where we are living out the sort of lives that Christ would have us to live as citizens of his kingdom. Let's pray together. God, we do thank you for your uh, deep and abiding love. We thank you for your every effort in attempting to lead our lives. We pray, God, that as we uh, <clears throat> live out those lives day to day, as we live out the, the issues of how we are to relate to, to money and possessions, uh, set us rightly, we pray. We pray, God, that uh, we would always have our gaze on you, that our every interest would be uh, a citizen of your kingdom first and foremost. Lord, thank you for blessing us in the power of your word. God, we, uh, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, who lived, who died, who rose again, and who teaches a revolutionary word into our lives. Lord, thank you for your uh, presence with us here today. This prayer we make in the name of Christ, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen.